the chair of a national party. Man, I think you messed up. I was so rooting for Keith Ellison he's a because I guy. wanted something. He's a kook is what he is, and that's why him, I wanted him, him to him lead your party. <laughs> yep, that'd be fine. He's I mean, just guy. make sure we have the Jewish Federation uh, people here. Just make sure they're not around because he's about as anti-Semitic as they come. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, I'm just going by the evidence of what I, he oh, said. I'm I'm just telling you what you know what's out there and what he said in the past. Anyway, let's talk about issues and I'll yes. let I'll let my friends on the left start with Jeff Sessions and here here's my deal on this. I am and I have not seen a response. Dave, has there been a response from the senator yet? I've called for Senator McCaskill's resignation over all of this because of her tweet blatantly lying about not meeting with the Russian ambassador herself. Two no. tweets surfaced. No, 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 no. I'm just telling you. I'm calling for her resignation, <laughs> and work. it yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I would I say mean, the look, same thing about, I'm obviously, not, you know not. what? Some guy yesterday emailed because he took me seriously on this, and I was trying to make a point, and my point is is that Jeff Sessions isn't going to resign either. Well, no, not yet, but... Um, he, he's not going to resign. But I, Jefferson but I, guys, Beauregard, Sessions III? Right. But, I mean, I think, the, I think there's a lot of layers here. I mean, and Jeff Sessions is only a, a piece of it. I mean, we're getting to the point now where we can't find any of the Trump people who haven't met with the Russians. So, I mean, that's, 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 it's not going away anytime soon. I mean, I think recusing himself was a way to at least stop the bleeding currently. But, I mean, I think, you know, the problem is, I mean, he was under oath. I mean, if this had been Hillary Clinton, people would be going crazy. And now he doesn't want to come back and talk. He wants to send a letter. I would flip that around to you. You guys didn't care. There were repeated lies that were exposed. She sat in front of a Benghazi hearing for how many hours? 14 hours. So why don't we let Jeff Sessions sit for 14 hours? I mean, that's what we're talking. I mean, you know, but but this is the problem. This is a, a part of a much bigger problem that is going to plague this administration. And so this you is hope. Oh, no, well, I think it's oh, happening. No, no, I think there's I, I a there there. I think it is a political move. I don't think it was perjury. I think if you listen to it well, in I the context, I think if you listen to it in context, you could have made it perjury if Franken had followed up with a more detailed questions. Are you saying that? Because I think it's reasonable to interpret those comments in connection with the campaign, the, the hacking and right. the Russian interference with the election. And, you know, if you're in that situation and you know this, Jane, because you've mm-hmm. dealt with witnesses where, you know, there's just a lot of different things running through their head and they're they think they're answering something and being responsive. And then when you step back and look at the transcript, you go, well, maybe that's not exactly what was being asked or maybe that's not exactly what you were, you meant to say. So I think for for me when i look at this i don't think he's going to resign i don't think it's perjury and i think from a political standpoint this is bad politics because it's like we're doing these gotcha moments these constant gotcha moments and i think the american public has said we want to see results we want to see what's going to happen to make america better and all of this partisan Fighting is driving people crazy. He was answering the question, and there is no perjury. There's no case for perjury whatsoever, and there won't be. But he was answering the question, and and I I think he's completely being honest about this. He was asked the question if, as a member of the campaign team, as a member, as a surrogate, as a member of foreign relations, he meets with people in those positions all the time. The time, how many, as does how many the aforementioned senators, how Senator many, McCaskill, how many, who's been asked to resign by this radio host. How many senators met with the Russian ambassador in the last six months? Hunter, do you know the answer? 
like none except none. for him. They already checked. Um, right, and none. so, but really, I think what we have to do is. And he met at the, the RNC. Process, right. that, that was the other thing. I mean, the idea let that. the process work its way out. I think a special it prosecutor it should be appointed, just like uh, Congressman Isis, Isa from yes. South uh, Carolina. Lebanese guy. Uh, and um, the uh, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham from uh, South Carolina calling for an independent prosecutor. I'm fine Let's with that. Let's have an independent prosecutor. Let them investigate it. Investigate all this Russian stuff. Yeah, that I mean, needs well, to be put to bed. Look, it's, it, One way or another. We have a, we have a president who is a little different than everything we've had before. Um, and he's been elected with uh, with alleged Republic, uh, uh, Republican, I'm sorry, Russian, um, uh, Russian involvement in his election. Let's, re, let's, let's figure it out. Let's get a special I, th- I think we should Let's figure it out. I think, I think so too. Because it'll keep plaguing. It'll keep leaking. That. There will be, it will be dribs and drabs. But I would add this one qualifier, Mark, and that is if we're going to talk about spe- special prosecutors, which there may be evidence that suggests one should be called into play, I would hope that the Democrats who've made such a big deal out of this, because this really should be non-political, is that we actually step back and say, maybe it would have been appropriate with respect to the IRS and with respect to the Fast and Furious that we, in fact, should have called a special prosecutor for those incidences, too, because we don't want to weaponize our justice system. But we, That's we, important. Had, I mean, look, we don't, I, don't, I think we should use them appropriately. This mm-hmm. seems to be appropriate because it's a potentially... A foreign government involved in the in the and it's numerous election. officials. And it's, not like, right. it's not just, it's not one, just one official. There's everybody tied to the campaign is tied into this. And I mean, until Paul that Manifort's cloud on the payroll, right? I mean, I mean is, until this cloud is removed, we're, this is what we're going to talk about. It. I mean, and and, well, and no, no, we no. should. This is what you're going absolutely. To talk about. And I think the, the American the rest, people do want to know whether I, Russia I think what the American is running the place is is they want the country to move forward by evidence of the fact that there was overwhelming support for Trump's speech the other night. The tone he took and the substance of the speech yeah, and the direction he wants to take well that's fine you you know you guys I mean, you guys can you guys can play the russian card week, and i'm not hang on wabi okay i'm not i'm not saying that there don't need to be questions answered about the russian interference but i just think it's comical that you guys were willing to brush off everything that happened in relation to hillary clinton for months and months and months and now because you don't like the fact that this guy was elected in the way that he was and you don't like him personally and you don't like the agenda that he's moving forward, you're going to try for every distraction possible, including dressing up members of Congress like cult members the other night in the speech. Keep doing it. I encourage you. Keep talking about, you know, electing people like Keith Ellison to your leadership positions. Keep putting Elizabeth Warren and Nancy Pelosi at the forefront of the discussion, because I got to tell you something, that's not going to work well for you. You guys still don't realize, and this is the, the main issue here, you don't realize why you lost the election to this guy. You don't get it. You don't understand that your party is completely out of touch with most of the country unless they live in California or New York City. Well, most of the country you, actually voted for our candidate. No, people in California voted are, for your candidate. They're not They're citizens. More They're not citizens. They're not Americans. That's They're just as American as you. Just like black people and Latino people and Asian people are just as American well, as Brian, everybody Brian, all I would else. encourage you to do is look at the electoral well, look, map. Will, if you, yeah, wanna, if you the, just want to count that's California, fair. that's why but we look, have an electoral college system. I worry about our our, this, this, our structure of government right now. We've had two elections in the last 16 years that, then um, it's the first time in what, 150 years that we've had a, a, an electoral college 
win without without a, a, a popular election? Thank God. But, but that's in part because that's because how people works. structure the their works. campaigns. I mean, they structure how they spend their money based upon the electoral map. I agree. And that that's what people do. I mean, that, well, and that's you, the game. You, and I still believe in right. electoral you, college. You, you, you direct However, yourself to how you can win. But the other part of all of this is I, I do think that there's an echo chamber going in, in, in on where people are talking to their base and from my perspective, we really need to move away from personality and politics and focus on uh, policy because that's where you pull the people in the middle. The people in the middle are the ones who decided that they they wanted him. And and I think right now, with the way that the left is com- communicating, they're just talking to their own supporters. Well, and I think that probably goes for both sides. It does go for both sides. But you know, got Bernie Sanders out there saying that, you know, Trump didn't mention income inequality and and wealth. What do you guys want? You're a Bernie guy, Wobby. What do you want them to do? Do you want to take all? I know you love Trump. Trump is the one that says nice things about Bernie. (laughs) He's the only one. So so don't don't put this on us. My point is, is that you you are you're all for confiscating people's money, acting like that's going to somehow fix the problems in this country. And you did lose touch with the working people who just want to send their kids to college and afford their bills and, you know, buy groceries and all those things. And you continue, and I should be happy about it, but you continue to follow this road. And it's baffling to me. Well, no, what's baffling is that you don't think that the American people want to know that this guy is owned by a hostile nation? I mean, that... You're talk about well, an echo chamber. You know what? That's quite a leap that you just made. And here, Jane. the idea, really well, is. then, then produce really? your tax return. Right. And why don't you explain Nobody why every single person in your campaign was meeting with Russia every prior to person, the one? Really? Talk, talk about perjury. You just perjured yourself here on the Reardon Roundtable. This is the Reardon Roundtable with your host, Mark Reardon on KMOX. All right, back for a second segment here. Brenda Talent, Brian Wabi, Jane Duker. Brenda, what did you think of the uh, speech the other night? That's another reason that the Democrats are pouncing so hard they couldn't take and stand the fact that Trump was having a pretty good 10-day period here. Well, I think it was both aspirational and inspirational. I think he, you know, he stayed on message and he came across as presidential, which a lot of people didn't think he could do, and he he did. Uh, And I think the takeaway from it is that, and what I would say to all political parties who are focused on their political issues, is that the American people would like to see our president, whoever he is, succeed. I mean, if we're talking about, again, the mm-hmm. middle. And so that speech would appeal to them. And and I think they're waiting, stepping back and saying, all right, let's see what we can do to, to help our situation in America get better. You run the Show Me Institute. It's an organization that's very concerned about the excesses of government and fiscal responsibility. I, I like the fact that he's talking about a lot of these things. I think infrastructure is important. But there is a big question about how you pay for all of this, oh, right? Oh, there are. And there are aspects of the speech which, from my free market perspective, I would not agree with. Um, but that doesn't take away from the fact of how it was delivered and how people received it. But definitely, I mean, I think actually historically, if you look through presidential speeches, you'll find one promise after another, which after you add them all up, you would say, well, that's not going to happen. From, from both Correct. parties. Yes. Yeah, it, Absolutely. It, you know, they, every once in a while they'll fact check uh, four years later or eight years later. This is what Obama said. This is what Bush said in the State of the Union. And half the time, I'd say 75% of the stuff never comes to fruition. Uh, he did look at the right-hand side of the room, left-hand side if you're facing him, the Democrats, and seemed to engage them in a way 
that indicated that he does want to work with them. Janie, you can't deny. You know, I, I, I saw. No, that I actually thought it was it. a good speech. It was a really good speech. It it, I mean, he benefited from low standards. Let's not get crazy, but yeah. he may I have a think, little bit. But that, even by any standards, it was a good by Trump's was a quality speech. I think. I think, and I think his delivery. He looked sane, which is always where you want to start. And. <laughs> But I think I think one. This is, I mean, as far as fiscal spending, that that was a biggie. I mean, that was a biggie. The one trillion. I think I thought there were probably some Republicans ready to hurl. You know, I'm all for that though. I'm like, if we're going to spend money, I, I I'm good with infrastructure. So I mean, I think the Democrats. That really is something the Democrats. Depending on how they do it. I mean, this tax credit thing and making his buddies rich. I'm not thrilled about that. But I'm all thrilled about infrastructure. So I do think he can talk to Democrats on that. And I do think that he set a tone that said, look, I'm willing to talk like that, it, that I'm not going to say that nothing's off the table, because I do think that even setting that sort of tone helps, because I, I, I think there would be Democrats in the middle, especially who would be willing to talk about things. And there were Democrats that were happy with parts of his speeches. I thought the trade stuff was good. I don't want to get overly nationalistic, but I thought that the trade stuff, that's always been a strong suit. And that's what he should have been talking about. And when he was talking about trade deficits, I mean, that does talk to middle America, and that's something that everybody should be happy about. Really, when we say America first, that we really mean it, though. And so I think, so now it's going to come to, will he produce these things? I think he even signaled that maybe I'd be willing to talk on immigration. I think he did. And that's going to be a situation where he possibly, and I'd be okay with this, he may alienate the alt-right. And some other folks. But I think that Donald Trump... Finding the coalition is going to be the hard part. He made this clear throughout the campaign. And this is a challenge for any president. George W. Bush walked in after being a consensus builder in Austin, right? Uh, Senator Obama walked in. I'm not exactly sure why. But they all think that they can bring people together in agreement. Oh, yeah, I get it. No experience whatsoever. But that's fine. Uh, My point is... You don't want to have that conversation. (laughs) Washington is a different beast. And he has good intentions. But yeah, you're going to alienate. He's talking well, you got to build coalitions. Right. And so how is he, you know, there's right. one coalition that he may have for the infrastructure. There may be a different coalition that he has for tax reform. And and he, I think, signaled that he's open to that. Well, the I'm not sure the Repu- in the details. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm not sure the Republicans are on board for a lot of this. And but some so, of them are. Some are. Well, and part and of it is how you do it, even with infrastructure. You know, they talked about public-private partnerships. Which is a common theme if you're trying to find economical ways of building infrastructure. Right. And I think that that's worth talking about. And I think you will find a lot of Democrats that want to talk about that and are even willing to talk about public-private as long as it's not structured, you know. Your, your husband obviously heavily involved in um, military issues and defense spending. He's calling for a whopping increase when it comes to defense spending, perhaps uh, at the expense of um, some of the State Department. And also, for, he talks about foreign aid, and I, that's a very popular issue to discuss. The reality of the situation is a very, very small percentage of the, the overall budget, budget. so it's it's a it's a popular thing to say as our minister talks this. about. It's not going to pay for it, right? No. right? So that's one of the questions. But you know, ask, when is your husband going to go up there and fix it? No, my, my husband said to to tell you, Mark, that if you want him to come and spend an afternoon discussing military spending with you, he'd be glad to. Well, do we'll that. do it. <laughs> Actually, I would love it. <laughs> we, tell him yes. We've had him on plenty of times yes. talking about some of that, and and I, you know, uh, I've expressed, and he knows this. I've expressed concern about some defense money because i don't think that that's a panacea for making the country safe as i don't think it's a panacea for making education better just to spend money you do have the federal government has a responsibility a constitutional responsibility to keep us safe but i think that 
you can make a case for, let's just say this, for wise spending. I don't think just expanding the budget. Well, you have to have a strategic plan, Mark. And then we've been rusting and hollowing out our military. This little factoid, um, it it was, um, we've gone a number of years without having an operational tank in Germany. Just two years ago, we got one that was. When you look at what's going on around the world, um, America being strong helps keep us safe and keeps other regions of the world safe. And so you're right. You don't just spend money to spend money. You spend money with a, a purpose. And if you look at the Obama administration, even Obama didn't like the sequester for the military because he knew what it was doing to it. Right. So we do have to put more money in to strengthen the military and to make sure that we are able to handle the missions that we're giving to them. Hang on. Let me reintroduce the old panel here. Jane Duker, Brenda Town, Brian Wabi. Go ahead, Wabi. I know you're no, shocked. I, I, I had a question thought. for you. I had Go a question ahead. for you. Pose, pose we've we've debated over the years during the Obama administration about the economy and where the economy stands. Mm-hmm. Let me ask this question, a little quiz for you. I know you've been busy electing nutjobs to run your party at um, DNC. But what what was the GDP growth for 2016? Your your one president's point, GDP 1.75. One that's very good. Do you would you think that that's ro- that's actually Not a robust. full point below the previous year? No, I think look, I think it's I, we do need growth. We do need growth. But we do need a governed growth. And I think over exuberance um, in the equities market, um, which seems to be I'm not, I don't know what happened this afternoon, but. Um, I'm a little concerned about the about the equities market, um, and I think uh, the Fed has has has, position, has positioned themselves um, with the only tool that we have, which is uh, an interest rate hike to begin. Did she? You know, and forgive me for not knowing. She's, sign- she's, 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 yeah. Yeah, she's yes, signaling it. Yeah, she's signaling it. I think it's going to happen yeah. by the end of the year. Oh, oh no, no! Like this month. So, yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, by the way, I think that's a bad move on her part. I think, I think and I understand gotta, inflation you gotta, concerns. Uh, you gotta be, look, this the the equities market is a. It, it there's lots of reasons why, but it is overheated, and when it overheats, bad things happen. It corrects, and um and when bad things happen, like in 2008, um people get hurt, and the role of government is to, I believe, um to to minimize the hurt when bad things happen. So one of the best ways to minimize the hurt when bad things happen is not to let bad things happen. And um, and that's why the, the Fed's going to play the play the governing role that they have to. So, I, yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think, I feel like we're doing a lot of this economic stuff in isolation mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, okay, we need an overall plan where we're going to talk about tax structure. But we we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about everything. It seems to me it would be nice to hear from a CEO type, which he markets himself as being. Give me the plan. Okay, I want taxes. I want. We need an overall plan on how to stimulate the economy. And I'm, I'm not how, seeing that. How, I'm seeing which, silos of does, things. Well, you're which sector is He's been in office I mean, for I like energy, weeks. but what are we going to do with energy? We right. need to do something with energy. That well, could be to, a huge to, place well, you know, for economic growth. Well, let the market agree. work. <laughs> well, no, you know, I mean, but you can't let the market work in, on energy. You can't because the, the market isn't going to recognize 
the effects of global warming and the oh effects. Oh my God! Here we go! Here we go! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! We've got the hot. What was it? How hot was uh, February? Oh, it was the hottest February on re- record. Wonder why. What was no, you, also, so you know you're else, sure you know, you're, a, you're convinced Dr. Science over there I'm that the Mr. reason Dr. is Science, that we're causing the planet the to heat level up. level of carbon monoxide in the atmosphere has nothing to do with El has, Nino from last year, right? Which it does. Well, but, and it also has nothing to do with that in the past 20 years when you're looking at these records, you're talking about sometimes one one-hundredth of a degree difference. Brian. It's getting hotter. Look, I'm willing Mark. to go along with the scientists that we have an issue, but where you lose me as an energy Democrat, is that, one, we can't take any sources of energy off the table. In my view, the country that wins the energy battle wins the world economy. And we can't say no to anything. That means we don't say no to coal. We don't say no to oil. We don't say no to anything. And we need to t- we need to innovate, innovate our way out of well, our problems. Well, let's also be honest not, about it. In the U.S., we're taking steps to minimize the impact of those industries. We really are, but we can't do it alone. And we can't do it alone. I agree. Couldn't care less. And there, and now we are not the top emitter anymore. And it's right. going to be. I mean, China's already. India's right behind. We're going to have other developing nations who want their refrigerators right. and, and, and their and cars. And we have. You know what? That's a good thing. That's it good is a good thing. That so that's that why people, we got to innovate on it. People, poor people in those countries that you guys claim to care about actually have access no, I, to resources like You're talking to me, like right. And, and, and life expectancy and, uh, goes up. like Mexico. And, absolutely. And, you know, they, but we have to innovate. And we have to, we have we to spend money I mean, we are. and innovate to make these things more responsible. All right, hang tight. One more segment here of... Uh, Rousing Reardon Roundtable on a Friday afternoon coming up. Now, back to the Reardon Roundtable. Once again, your host, Mark Reardon on KMOX. Hey, uh, hang on. You know what? This show is starting. You know, the first thing that people hear is you yapping, Duker. We were talking about High Point Cafe. It's awesome. Let's focus on the show. Sorry. No, I mean, but High Point, he was here. We interviewed him. Right. Yes. On the food topic, though, just quickly, because the corner the corner butcher. Let's talk. Let's talk. We could all agree on that. The corner butcher in and Dave Klein and I were raving about them the other day because I went and got some New York strip steaks on Sunday, and they um, they 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 like that quite a bit. I wasn't asking for anything. They brought sandwiches by today, so I had a roast beef. You had a roast beef, right? Beast. It is very really good. good. Yeah. Roast so beast. thanks, roast thanks to them. I hate it. The uh, least. We're in the final. Brian Wabi. We're in the final home stretch here of the most boring mayoral race in the city of St. Louis that I think we've ever People experienced. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people. I, you know, I, I was, I will tell you, I am. Um, Why can't we just have people stay home and just give it to Lida Kristen, right? You were supposed to run. Yeah. I mean, well, I, wait, wait a second here. There's still a general election. Absolutely. Oh, you can come in as an independent. A write-in. A write-in. Right a write-in. Write-in, That's Mark. what we're doing. Right we have a whole Mark. strategy. Oh, okay. We have a whole strategy oh, in place. Yes. I'm the manager. We're not going to give a, away our tactics right now. I and I never got a paycheck, so Let's focus on the candidates that are on the ballot on Tuesday. Yes. I think, um... Look, I think the polls have been consistent in with Lida Cruzan in the lead. Um, I think that's because the electorate is pretty volatile right now. I mean, the environment is volatile, and I think in, that in what way? I just think Pete, there's a lot of there's just a lot of change going on. Uh, especially this is a Democratic primary. This is a Democratic city, and there's a lot of concerned Democrats now with President Trump, um, and so the. So what the candidate who provides stability in the um, race is probably the one who wins. And I think that's like... Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought it was just the white candidate who has every other white Democrat in the city in the tank for them. 
Well, well I'm in the I tank thought that's how it was decided. Well, well as a county resident, I look at this as a it's like a ballet that's been choreographed. I'm not sure how it's being choreographed, but I think it's choreographed. So. Well, and it's the other getting supporters. The, the other thing votes. I would say, yeah, because I'm in the sure. So the other thing I would say, though, is to me, when I look at the candidates, it doesn't matter who it gets elected. In the sense that I don't see any of them bringing big change to the no, city. Of course it's going to be more of the same. Let me let me I, expand on the choreographed comment. When you have someone like Richard Callow involved in Tashara Jones' campaign, one of your favorite people, and she, he's like BFFs with Lyda Cruson. That's wrong. Then, he's not involved in her campaign I mean, at all. That's just false. I mean, Richard I mean that's just running, false. Uh, he's running Tashara's campaign, and that's Jones it. Ca- he's campaign. not. And, and Jones, her right. dad. Her, her dad, dad is her dad too. And, or, right. He, but you don't think there no. is there a stalking horse um, no. type of scenario? Okay. I don't. I honestly don't. You honestly don't think that having multiple candidates in that race of one race it doesn't have to be that goes both ways though i mean so you know the last time when lewis reed took on mayor slay all there were not no other african-american candidates does that mean it was look if lida was able to get support and she did and she came out early she was like the first one that came out and she's working hard and and people get in and people get out i mean at one point lewis reed was the only african-american candidate against mayor slay I don't know if that was orchestrated. Well, it's another one of those situations I know the publisher where... of The American attempted to sit all the African-American candidates down and say, you all need to get out and get behind Ashara, and that didn't work. So, well, that's because they're in the tank for her. Well, right. Who? Right. But I'm saying, so yes, people try to do that all the time, and people try to avoid Look, primaries think, all the time. I, honestly, I really, I mean, I, I, I've known all these candidates for a while. I've worked with all these candidates over the years. Um, honestly, I believe... I do believe the Lida Cruzan is the best choice for the city right now. I think she, um, I think she brings stability, and there are that's all you got, huh? Stability. Well, the first thing well, that no, has really? to happen been, is no. we have to have people not dying in the streets. We have to. Everybody wants to talk about vision, and I want somebody I can believe in, and I want this and that. Well, you know what? We need to make the trains run on time. Right. It's a city. We need to. We need to work with crime. We need to make sure you know the roads. We have some big fundamental issues hey, in this if city. That, if that's true, then maybe your number one issue shouldn't be jacking the minimum wage, which just went before the Supreme Court causing more undue burden on businesses, hurting the actual workers. Lida Cruzan issued a statement. They all were, like, thrilled about that, not understanding the implications of what that yeah, means. How many, well, how first of all, I need to make a disclosure that I represented the businesses that challenged that, and we were successful in St. Louis Circuit Court, but we lost at the Supreme Court, which is incredibly disappointing for a whole bunch of reasons. So now complying with state law in the city of St. Louis is a crime, which I don't agree with, and... If you want to do a minimum wage, fine, but you need to do it statewide. I mean, and that's the big problem with what the city is doing to itself by, by not doing this by statewide. By sitting out on an island, right? Where well, they... I mean, because all they have to, do, all people have to do now, you better get the road paved to Highway 40 because that's which way everybody's going to be going west right. on I mean, Highway 40. And that's not, I that think, doesn't think, help think, the region. I think, the, I think we all got to slow down a little bit and, and actually wait and see the policy implemented and see what happens. I do not think, certainly on a, on a, on in other, um, places where minimum wages have been increased there hasn't been an island effect where the the the, the places the jurisdiction that, that raise it saw enormous uh loss of curiosity no, I, what would your advice be to a small business owner listening right now in the city of I st louis to, okay well okay. then if you have let's say you just have five minimum wage employees working 40 hours a week and now you're going to have to spend for the next year whenever this kicks in in 2018 then 2019 
30000 30-plus thousand dollars a year for those employees. What happens then? Do they absorb those costs out of the goodness of their heart? Do they pass those costs along you, to the pass, customers? Or do they on? fire some employees and they're not able to hire as many because they're trying to keep costs in order? They pass it on to the consumer. No, it's a combination it's a of combination all, all right. of the above. You asked me, me about me <laughs> and how I do my business. And I, as somebody who actually hires but, people and fires people, that's what I would do. Why don't you pay your people more without well, the government we, telling we, you how we, much to pay what them? Other no, wait, why do. are you, why I, are you actually, waiting? Fact, I do pay them more already. Well, other businesses I have save. automated. I mean, there is a point at which you, you, you know, if when government interferes, it has economic consequences. And what's always interesting to me about this discussion, because we can go through the studies that show it doesn't help the people you're intending to help. And these are entry, the these are entry level jobs. And really, to me, from a policy perspective, if you really cared about moving people up the economic ladder, you would focus on how you move them up. You know, when my kid goes into an entry level job, they're learning intangibles about showing up, how to deal with customers. And so that entry-level job is one where I want them to have that opportunity. So I would suggest that if we wanted to focus on policy prescriptions, maybe a better thing to look at would be things like increasing the earned income tax credit. And in fact, instead of targeting small businesses or businesses which have a number of entry-level jobs, because let's face it, the Googles of the world don't have a lot of entry-level jobs, if any. Focus on it. And and not that I'm going to support this, but that, in fact, you tax all businesses to increase the earned income tax credit. So you're providing an incentive for work. You're not deterring companies from providing those entry level jobs, which provide basic skills. The expansion of the earned income tax credit is a great idea, and it's supported by people on both sides. It's something that I think will get some push from President Trump because. Speaker Ryan's a fan of that, and, and that's part of the solution. I don't think there's any doubt. But it's been fun to mix it up, especially with Brian Wabi this afternoon. How how are you, Brian? You, you have a good time? I had a fan. I think you did prepare. I think you prepared today. I didn't. I actually found some talking points from the DNC <laughs> and spurred them out. No. Yeah, Keith no. Ellison texts you during the show. No, it, it's Perez, Tom Perez. Yeah. yeah, no, no, he was checking his phone. <laughs> I know he was. Brenda, good to see you. Good seeing you. Jane Montel Williams joining us in the next hour with Lewis Reed. He's, I think he's one of the candidates for mayor, Lewis Reed. Yes, I've heard that. Go weird.